Do you want me to get more coffee? Okay, you okay. get some more coffee, that's fine. Okay, thank you. I, of course, am Mary B's number five son. I have four older brothers, Jim, John, Joe, Jerry. Noise you heard at the beginning, that's my coffee maker, Rhonda. When I need a cup of coffee, I always say, of course, help me, Rhonda. When I need an emergency cup of coffee, I then say, Help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. I'm doing this because of my love for coffee. Thank you, Rhonda, for another great cup of coffee to start the morning off. Welcome again to Coffee Break with Mary B's Fifth Son. I am Jeff. All right. Let's get this week rolling with episode four, season two. All right. Let's get this week rolling with episode four, season two, number 43. Okay, I didn't bother to look at anybody number 43, so we'll skip right over that. Let's clean up a few things from last week, which, number one, I failed to say happy birthday to Pamsey. It was her birthday on the 19th, so happy birthday, Pamsey. Yeah, we're the same age now, so we'll leave it at that. Going back to the contest, I forgot an important one, which is the Titanic that I won a radio contest to win four tickets for the opening day, December 19th, uh, 1997, at the Elk Grove Theater. And the radio station, I think it was The Drive, they sent me this great package of Titanic stuff and this really nice booklet that I still have. So that ends the contest stuff. Our movie review, or movie with coffee, which is Indecent Proposal, where... Robert Redford offers uh, Demi Moore a million dollars to sleep with him, and she's married to Woody Harrelson. They're in Vegas. They need to make $50,000, and they don't. So they're in this restaurant trying to figure out their life, and what are they having? They're having coffee, and the waitress comes up to him and says, uh, would you like some more coffee? So they have to, they're trying to decide the direction of their life, with coffee. Unfortunately, you know, well, it's a great scene. 4100. We said we wouldn't go below 5000. Do you want any more coffee? No, thank you. Doing the recording today, which is the 23rd, but Saturday the 26th, I'll be going to see The Godfather, which is the 50th anniversary of it. So we're going to revisit my very first movie on um, episode one, season one, the very first one with Don Corleone, where he says, tells the guy he can't remember the last time he uh, was invited over for coffee. So great scene, great movie. I can't remember the last time that invited me to your house for a cup of coffee. Well, it's been Last week, we didn't do any coffee reviews, so this week, we're going to do two. We spent the weekend in Fort Myers, Florida. We went to a place, uh, an island called Cabbage Key, and there they had a restaurant called Tarpon Lodge and Restaurant. I had to test the coffee out, which wasn't bad. The place was very crowded from all the people coming off the boat, um, and I don't think a whole lot of people were drinking coffee, so... It had a little burnt taste, but it actually wasn't that bad. So, you know, it was okay. Nothing worse than burnt coffee. And this one wasn't bad. Then 
Um, on the way back, we were at the Fort Myers airport and it was called Dwar's Coffee. The coffee was good. The waitress did the rotations, but unfortunately we sat there for a half hour waiting for our food. And you had to order through one of them stupid QR codes or whatever the hell those things are, QR app, whatever it is. So that goes directly to the kitchen. So you don't give your order to the waitress. So we're sitting there, Pamsy and I, you know, we're on a tight schedule. So a group of like 16 kids come in, they order all their food and they came in after us, order all their food. Did all the order. They got their food before us. Pamsy went over to, we called the waitress over. She goes, oh, uh, you know, I'll check on it. She claimed they did. And then we had to get up again to check it again. Terrible experience at this place. Be, be real. Like, go old school. Write the damn thing down on, on your pad and run it to the kitchen and give them the order. Because six to at least 16 people got their order before two people. So it's not a good thing. But again, the coffee was good. The wait, waitress kept up with the rotation. We probably had five times she asked us for coffee. We wanted more coffee, which was a good thing. She was very nice. Again, you don't blame the waitress. I don't like using the word stupid, but it is just a stupid thing. You do this QR code and it goes to the kitchen. Really? D-Wire's Coffee, Fort Myers Airport. Very good coffee. Uh, don't do the QR code. Just ask her to write it down and... Uh, run into the kitchen much faster. And the bacon was actually pretty good too. So I always wanted to do this one where we talk about people that we knew of all the people in Bridgeport, they had nicknames, Hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we had Mo, who was Lenny. We had Jimmy Goozle, who was Digger. Okay. We had um, (laughs) Goose. And Bird, who was uh, Depchik and Kenny uh, Stepinski, mm-hmm. one of the Stepinskis. Okay. Um, we had Spud Spahowski. Um, and then we had the, my favorite nickname of all time is Mousy Polakowski. There's, there's no better name than that. His first name is Thomas, Tommy, and that they, because he was as old as John and Joe, and he was small. For his age, and he used to call him Mouse. And we used to, Mousy Polakowski, the best name, okay, by far. And then, didn't they had, they had a nickname for Kenny Dramer, right? Faye. Faye. Yeah. Uh, Jerry's best friend, Kenny Dramer, his nickname was Faye. Do we know where he came from? Yeah, then we had Joey Wasovich, his nickname was Ratso, because if you looked at his face, he looked like a rat. So they took Ratso to name from Dustin Hoffman's name in Midnight Cowboy, Ratso Rizzo. Yeah, he did. He looked like a rat. He had his nose down like that. He looked like Ben from um, Willard. So um, they had a few others. God. But, yeah, that was that was the core. And then in, in West Pullman, at the bowling alley, we had Wimpy, who his real name was Jim, and the other guy was Fish, who's – Real name was Steve. Okay. And those were really it because Bridgeport, you had to have, you know, majority of people had nicknames. Yeah. You know, and then there was Oxy, was uh, Cliff Pienta, the cop. Um, yeah. They, then there was Moose. Yeah. We had all these guys, really. They all had nicknames in Bridgeport, but my brothers, John and Joe, they didn't have a nickname. We had names we called them at home, but we didn't, wasn't a nickname. <laughs> 
So yeah, they didn't have a nickname. They didn't have a nickname. Yeah, it's almost like, hi, Jeff, how are you? <laughs> That's right. Well, we do that, but they would be, hey, Herb. Hey, Red. <laughs> hey, Ed. Hey, B. Hey, Ed. You, I never heard them ever call Jeffrey, Jeffrey. You're right. You're never. right. <laughs> never. He's Zero. right. Zero. And I say that without any hesitation. I, you know what? It's funny you brought that up because you're right. They never have. And even, even the one in Blue Island, the general, you know, and, and there was some other names for her. I mean, so we, we can't we call her. We call her the general. That's our, you know, we made that one up, but we... Yeah, I don't think they've ever called her Janice. Did they? I, I was just going to say that because I don't think he ever called me Jeff in never, my entire never, life. Ever. Never. Never. Jerry, I, never. Right. Jerome, right. forget about it. I don't Right. Oh, wait. He couldn't even spell it. But yeah, he never called us Jeff or uh, Jerry. And it never. was just Jeff and I. Right. Yeah. Well, Larry just us. Curly up above us, <laughs> they had names. The one below us. Right. He's right. Had a name. Our dad never called us by our name. That was like he didn't acknowledge us. He'd call me, he'd call me Ed, he'd call me Rock, he'd call me Beave, he'd call me Peewee. Yeah, those are all names he'd call me. Never, and you're right, he never once called, I never thought about that. He never once called me Jeff, ever. And I mean ever. Yeah, never. That's weird. And it may have arose from his love for Johnny Cash with a boy named Sue. <laughs> Right. right. Life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. <laughs> and I, I, I laugh because it's it's true. It's it's just that's the way he dealt with things. Calling, calling us. And here, I could tell you right now, speaking of name calling, when we moved to California, Jerry and I took a walk to the park. Okay, and we talked to these kids. It's the first day we moved into San Bernardino. Okay. We go to the park and we're talking to these guys. And we're like, yeah, we're from Chicago. And they said, do you know what they called us? Hmm? Okies. Okies. That's from the movie The Grapes of Wrath, where people from Oklahoma moved to California. And it, you ever heard a song by Merle Haggard, I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee? Well, they called us Okies. I had no idea what that meant. I went home and asked my mom, what does Okie mean? They just called us Okie. She didn't say it was derogatory. She just said that it was basically we moved from east to west. Yeah, they called us Okies. Really? You know, I mean, we became friends with those people, uh, with those guys. But that was where I never forgot that because as we're, well, as we said, was we're from Chicago. And they turned it into we're Okies. <laughs> so, yeah, just very strange. Again, with, with the name, you know, with the names like that. That was weird them saying it. But. You know, it's just people have different ways of communicating with people. Like Jerry said, that my brothers have never once called me Jeff. I don't think they've ever called him Jerry. Okay, whereas we call them John and Joe. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we we could never, never. I I think his age group, their age group, they may have had nicknames. But I don't think they could figure out, their friends could figure out a names to call John and Joe. Really? Because there was, it was always just John and Joe. Never, never any nickname for them. Which, in Bridgeport, that's weird. Because, again, a lot of people had nicknames of guys that we all hung out with. 
they all had now all different age groups like oxy and moose those were older guys Mal, mousy polakowski and here's the weird thing when pam's dad was in the hospital the room across from him was the last name was polakowski and so i waited one day and uh i said to these two girls i said hey i go um you guys are from bridgeport yeah i said uh do you know Mousy Polakowski? You're like, that's our cousin Tommy. <laughs> that's our cousin Tommy. I'm like, holy shit. That's how small world that is. Really? Because you don't forget a name like Mousy Polakowski. <laughs> so, yeah, but they all, they all had nicknames. And then here, how about this one? The guy that runs a funeral home, um, Mr. Ashfaya. If you've seen the movie Born on the Fourth of July with Tom Hanks, the woman that plays his mom. Tom Hanks. I'm sorry, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Tom Cruise. The woman that plays his mom is from Bridgeport, and she's the daughter of Mr. Ashfaya, who runs the funeral home, who used to sponsor our pirates, and who had the Pope come down his block on 43rd, and he had to change the Pope John Paul III way. But his daughter, my brothers used to call her the Polish princess. Okay. Yeah. So when she became, you know, I, I don't know if she was in any other movies, but she was Tom Cruise's mom in Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, she did a great job. Yeah, she did. She was very good, but she had a, they had a nickname for her, the Polish Princess. So, but yeah, you all everybody had names. And then our Uncle Flory, we used to call him the waiter. And yeah, and everybody the waiter. in Bridgeport called him Augie. Yeah, everybody called him Augie. We called him the waiter because it was like Paul the waiter, the mobster from Milwaukee. So I don't know why we came up with that thing, but we used to call him the waiter. Really? Yeah. I see Jimmy Guzdal at a grammar school reunion uh, in the summer. And he was the one who also lived above. His father ran a funeral home. And he said to me, the first thing he said with the biggest smile on his face, he said, I remember your dad gave me that nickname Digger. And I felt like saying, and I really did. I felt like saying, that's because he didn't want to call you by your name. He didn't want to call you Jimmy. Yeah, he didn't want to say, hey, Jimmy, how are you? Right. He couldn't do it. He right. couldn't get that out of his mm-hmm. mouth. So even our friends, and if, right. if he didn't have a nickname for him, he just didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Hey, you. And, and that's the way he did it. And I think that, that again, that, that kind of right. passed on like a baton to the other ones. And it's just, and I think with John and Joe, especially John and Joe, I think no nickname for them because even at a younger age in Bridgeport, they had respect. They were tough guys. They were good athletes and they, they earned that. And, and most of the guys that you gave a nickname to, there was a flaw somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, a weakness or something you can identify. And those guys really didn't have one. I, right. I say it honestly, they, they were very well respected, uh, liked, and they earned that. But yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody gave no, a Let's face it. Our nicknames were given to us by our brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't, nobody called them anything, but they were allowed to give us names. So, yeah, shit rolls downhill. <laughs> so, yeah, so, but that's fine. That's fine. So, all right, um, let's see. West Pullman, we're going to get into West Pullman. Yeah, when we first moved in there. You know, we were the new kids on the block. Yeah. And uh, they treated us like bastards at a family reunion <laughs> that summer. Summer of 69. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they avoided us. You know, and then we had to go into Bridgeport, of course, to play baseball. 
And uh, you know, we live across the street from the park. From the park, yeah. Across the street. But in order for my dad to have a reason to go into Bridgeport and drink with his friends, but we had to sign up back for baseball. And Jerry's right. The park was through the alley, West Pullman Park. It was like the big, uh, when the house lands in Wizard of Oz and it's all black and white, she opens the door and it's Munchkin Land, it's all color. Well, that's the way this was with West Pullman. You, you crossed, you came out of our house, you crossed the street, you walked through a half of an alley, and there was this big, huge, beautiful park. Well, and there were there was only three parks in the city at that time did indoor swimming pools, and West Pullman was one of them. And it still is frozen in time. Right, yeah. It, they, they kept that park exactly the way it was when we were growing right. up. Right. But it was, for us, it was a safe haven because yeah. you literally just had to cross the street and you were inside your environment. Yeah. Sports galore. If you couldn't, if you couldn't find something to do there, then you were looking for trouble. Right. That was always... It was always packed. It was again. I've always said this. It was very vibrant. Just no matter what time of the year, any season, there was always sports going on. No matter what, and it was great. But yeah, so we had to go to Bridgeport to play baseball when we could have just walked half a football field to the, to the baseball field and played there. But then the next year we did. So then, as we started, once we got into school and everything, started to get to know people and everything. You know, it became a, a really good place to live. So, and thank God again, my mom got us out of Bridgeport, got us into West Pullman, which was a lot better area. You know, we lived there for five years, you know, and then we had uh, the neighborhood started changing and we had at the time, um, what we call, um, realtors, um, blockbusters. What they would do is they would, uh, scare people into you better sell or you're not going to get your uh the price of your home and people we were just talking about um jerry the one we took the meat from we played baseball and everything with them on a friday go to get him on saturday morning his house is empty they they had what they used to call midnight movers where they didn't want their friends to know that they were moving and they would sneak out literally in the middle of the night Nobody ever put a for sale sign up in the front right, of our house. Right. They would sell these realtors were, were bastards. They would scare people into in the moving. Okay. And get out before the neighborhood really changes. You're not going to get your money before. Because we were the we were the last ones to move in on our block and we were the last ones to move out on normal. So everybody moved and we rented and everybody moved, you know, on our block. That, there was never a for sale sign in front of a house. Never. Never. Right, and yeah. if you want to get an idea, if you ever seen the end of Goodwill Hunting, where Ben Affleck goes over, raps on the door for um, uh, Matt Damon, and he looks in his window, there's nothing there. He had moved. And that's exactly what happened with Jay, because he had this big picture window. We used to go to his house after bowling on Saturdays. We would watch the Pro Bowlers Tour, which was on um, Channel 7. We'd, we'd watch that, and he had a big picture window, big front porch, and we went up there. That's why I watch the end of uh, Goodwill Hunting all the time. That's the only part I watch because it reminds me of that morning when you go there and you know you're wrapping on the door and then you go look in the window and it's they're gone. They're gone. They took yeah. all our steaks. <laughs> but, well, I, re I remember going to remember Banger, right? Banger High School, 113th and Wallace was the main branch. It was like a college campus. Those old public schools, high schools were 
immaculate, huge. Well, they were so overfilled, especially when we got there, you had to go to a branch. If you didn't get early enough, you had to go to a branch off campus. So we were fortunate enough that the branch for Fanger for freshmen, we went upstairs from the grammar school, grammar school, junior high school. Lost Pullman. Mm -hmm. But you still could not wait to get to the main campus because that's where all the athletes were. That's that's where you played. The football field was there, the basketball court, everything was there. And I remember the first day going in there. You know, you still had a little bit of California in you. And, and I walked in my class. My first class was music. I walked into class, you sat down. Of course, you grabbed the first seat because you would end up going alphabetically anyway in high school, right? So the guy walks in, and it was this big black dude. He looked like Barry White. And I didn't know that at the time because I didn't know how Barry White was at the time. But this guy, he had a very baritone voice. He looks around, looks around. He says, come on out in the hall. I want to talk to you. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm walking out there, what could I have done? It's the first day. I haven't even done anything yet. So you get out in the hallway and he goes, did your old man fall asleep this past summer? I don't know. Huh? No, he said, did your old man fall asleep this past <laughs> summer? I go, I, I don't know what. He goes, there's no more white kids here. They're, they're all gone. He says, it's you and maybe a couple dozen. That's it. He said, you're going to get your brains beat in every day. I said, why well, play sports? He goes, that's not going to help you. He says, where do you live? I said, well, we live on 123rd normally. He goes, well, you're going to have to make it to 119th every night. And I didn't know that. He was right. He was right because that was kind of like the demilitary zone. It literally got to the point where what Jeff just said, how he described where the realtors were pushing this. Everyone had moved out to Tinley Park, to South Holland, to Dalton, all these suburbs, Riverdale, and all this. But it stopped right at that point that year, 1971, I think it would be 71 or 72. It stopped that year right there at 119. And he was right. You'd have to run home every night. I mean, and, and that's that's not saying anything bad. That's just the way life was back then. And you had to figure it out. Well, we just got from California. So Mary had almost prepared us for these moments. And once those things started happening, Mary's seen, and, and again, these were not things that were being premeditated stuff, but just we didn't belong there anymore. There was another place for us. And Mary ended up negotiating a, uh, a deal with St. Willibrand because yeah. we were both headed out. Jeff, Jeff and I were probably both headed to the military too, just like our brothers uh, for different reasons though. They, they didn't want to go to school and we wanted to go to school, <laughs> but we weren't given the choices. So she found a way to, to get us into St. Willibrand and that saved, I think that saved our life. Oh, I agree. I agree. That move, that, that was the move that, that saved. Literally, in her life, if she was to say, hey, what was the best move you made for your children? If you had to identify that one moment where, as a mother, you have to make this decision for your bottom three children, I think that was it, that she was able to move us to this little private co-ed high school on the east side of uh, Pullman, and get us in there and finish our education, get us to graduate. I remember she was so happy when I graduated high school. It's like the first one to graduate from high school. Right. Well, that also set up Jeff and it also set up the, the last one. So everything had emotion then. And Mary put that all in motion by making these brave, bold moves as a mother. And 
no one will ever has ever asked me, well, what did your dad think about that? <laughs> well, he was in Bridgeport still. Yeah, right. We were living in West Pullman. Right. And he, his, his heart and his mind, his body was in, in Bridgeport. So the, this thing, and I reflect on this often. Yeah. And the people that I, we went to high school with don't even know that. They, they have no idea. I, other than Laura Kerr and I think maybe John Van Dyke. They, how Mary saved Jeff and I's life, literally. Uh, again, get us on Instagram at Mary B's Fifth Son, M-A-R-Y-B-S, number five, T-H-S-O-N. Okay, any comments or suggestions, good or bad, send them to our email, which is Mary B-S-5. S-O-N at gmail.com. So that would be M-A-R-Y-B-S, the number five, S-O-N at gmail.com. Thank you. To my mom, again, who always said two things will make a day go by better. Coffee and a smile. If you put those two together, you're going to have a good day. Thanks again for joining us with Coffee Break with Mary B's Fifth Son. Join us next week where we continually talk about coffee, which we all love. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Jeff Balser. The intro was by Yvonne Two Elements. Thank you. Uh, production by Downtown Media Works. Join us every Sunday morning for Coffee Break with Mary B's Fifth Son. And you can like and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts. And you can also find our website on Buzzsprout.